Hello, Linux fans, and welcome to another episode of Destination Linux, where we cover Linux news, reviews, and anything else that may be fun or interesting in the Linux world. And I'm Rocco, and this is episode 19 of Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rocco. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a uh, it's been a long week, but uh, well, it's actually Saturday that we're recording this, so Friday's gone. And uh, hey, Saturday's good. What's been going on this week? Been anything? Well, I've been doing a little distro hopping, and um, I've gotten into some of the Arch distros. Had a Linux Quest viewer who had a great idea. Um, Clifford, uh, hello Clifford, had a great idea to take a look at three different Arch-based distros that are really different. And so got into um, Interagos, uh, one of my favorites, of course, with KDE Desktop. Got into uh, OBR, the, the latest spin of OBR, and Manjaro with the XFCE Desktop. That's awesome. It was well, fun. I love Intergos KDE, and I love OBR, but Manjaro, I don't know. I always have issues with Manjaro. <laughs> no, we talked about that. You know, you get a couple weeks into it, and it seems like there's weird issues that creep up. Yeah. What about you? What's going on over at the Big Daddy channel? Well, uh, other than a live show or two, I haven't been able to do a whole lot because I'm having issues with my Caden Live, mm. and it will not open. And I have tried reinstalling it. I have tried all kinds of different things. And up until now, I've not been able to actually get it running properly. So, yeah, either way, it'll work out one way or another. Yeah, but, well. But nothing's been going on on the channel anyway because of that. Ah, I got you. Well, maybe that's a good excuse for a, a new distro hop. <laughs> um, I don't really need an excuse to distro hop, but I think that may be a good reason, Rob. Yeah. Well, Rocco, we've got a lineup of news, and uh, as typical with the Linux news cycle, there's some fresh news out there. And uh, I've just got a quick question for you before you jump into that first article there. How often, Rocco, do you try to make Linux look like your Windows desktop? I pretty much. It- that's what I try to emulate in everything I do, Rob, is to make it look exactly like Windows. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, I'm not believing that 100%. Well, look, here's the thing. I, we, like we talked about it before. I'm not a Windows hater. So I there are things about Windows that I do like. And um, some of it is, you know, the UI or the icons or whatever. And if you'll notice in the videos... There are times where I'll be using a icon set like the, uh, I guess it's the Demos, Demos, something like, I don't know exactly how to pronounce, another Linux thing that I don't know how to pronounce, but, and it has a Windows-esque look to the icon set, um, but other than that, no, I don't try to make my system look like Windows. Yeah, I don't either, and there's an article uh, here from OMG Ubuntu, and uh, it's now super easy to make Ubuntu look like Windows. So um, 
there is a UK UI desktop or Yuki or UK UI. Um, again, one of those super easy to pronounce <laughs> desktop names. Uh, and originally this was based on Mate, uh, on the Mate environment. Yes. And it ships, yeah, it ships with a custom uh, icon or a custom icon set, layout, theme, and file manager. Uh, so their goal there is to create a very familiar Windows-esque uh, layout. And you know, if you look at the screenshots, and we'll have the link here. If you look at the screenshot, for the most part, at first glance, um, it emulates it pretty close, wouldn't you say? I w- well, one of these days, I'm going to get around to figuring out how I can share the screen on the video so that you can actually see what we're looking at. <laughs> but for now, we'll have to go with links. But it it reminds me of a Windows 7 basic um, theme, and it, it emulates it pretty good, actually. Yeah. And that is Ubuntu chilling. Right. That's right. Now, um, originally, let's see. Was this only for the Mate desktop? But now it will work. It'll work with the uh, GNOME and GNOME desktop as well. Correct. I don't know. Uh, I know that uh, UK UI was is a fork of Mate, but I don't know. I'm looking at the article now, but I don't see anything about GNOME. Where okay. Is, are you seeing okay. something I'm not? Well, I just don't know. It's basically it's alongside. They're saying you can install this alongside Unity and GNOME. So, uh, well, maybe it won't conflict too much with it. Right, right. And they took um, they took a fork of Nautilus and created uh, Windows Explorer to um, or to resemble the Windows Explorer or Windows File Manager. And for the most part, they succeeded there. It's a you know very familiar looking layout. So, you know, this is one of those things. It may be fun to just kind of play around with, but. Uh, I like you. There may be a few things that I do that are similar to Windows and layout and things like that. But ultimately, my goal is to avoid that exact layout and UI. You know, it's fun to work with things that are different. Well, Rob, speaking of different and emulating, one, one the whole Unity news uh, cycle is still churning, and there are so many things about Unity right now. And the hot topic on the market is to make everything, everything you have, look like Unity. Now, a few weeks ago, it was, uh, you know, everybody busted on Unity. Well, not everybody, because there are people out there who like Unity. Yep. Most people would make fun of and bust on Unity. And now the idea, I guess, is to make everything you have look like Unity. You're you're so right. I mean, one would think that Unity was the desktop of choice by millions because now everything is trying to emulate Unity. Yep. Well, there's an article on OMG Ubuntu about, uh, I think it's NG, wants to recreate the Unity desktop on KDE Plasma. Now, especially Plasma because everything is so... There's there's a certain flow to Plasma. I, I sure... I can't see any Plasma user wanting to make it look like Unity, but it's there if you want it. So the environment's a community project, and they are basically setting up uh, your desktop to look and feel like Unity, to recreate it on there. And Michael Tunnell had that video um, on Tux Digital about how to recreate um, the Unity look 
on uh, KD Plasma. So this is actually a look and feel package that makes it there. And um, another person, I think it was uh, Lucas, uh, he created a United look and feel theme a little while ago that makes it look like um, Unity. So... Well, I watched Michael Tunnell's video, and he did a great job. And I was very surprised at how many features are already within KDE Plasma uh, to kind of automatically transition things over and get you pretty darn close. So uh, if this is something you're interested in, uh, certainly check out the Tux Digital channel and look at Michael's video on that. Uh, Me personally... I like to set KDE up. You know, I've got a few specific ways that I'll use it, but I got to say honestly, unit. You know, setting. I've never installed it and said, "Okay, now let me spend 15 minutes and make this as close to Unity as possible." <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I haven't either. So I don't know. It, but it's a. It's definitely a hot topic right now. Absolutely. Well. Um, Continuing on with some news, and I, I think this is pretty good news here, and again on OMG Ubuntu, and I just a shout out to this website. I'll tell you what, the folks over at OMG Ubuntu, they're doing a great job with the steady stream of news that comes in. So we refer to them quite a, quite a lot. So if you've never checked out that website, um, I believe it's a UK-based uh, website. They do a phenomenal job. So uh, just a shout out there to OMG um, so, continuing on with the news, Rocco, you can now sync GNOME extensions between desktops using Google Chrome. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. It's, so, for it, yeah, go ahead. Is this an extension? It is an extension on your desktop, um, but you don't. Uh, uh, you um, basically once your extension is set up, if you had multiple GNOME desktops running, then those ex- the um, the extensions between your desktops will synchronize. So you talk about time savings um, and just kind of have a smooth transition from, you know, desktop to desktop or OS to OS. So kind of like the actual Chrome sync, when you uh, set up a system and you log in, it pulls in all your bookmarks, all your, all your extensions and everything. Same, same scenario. Right. That's exactly right. That That feature. Awesome. It's only going to work through Google Chrome or Chromium, and of course, it requires the GNOME Shell integration extensions to be installed in the browser. So uh, once you've got that set up, and then the well, and I believe uh, I'm 99% sure of this, Rocco, when you install the GNOME Shell integration uh, into the browser, that automatically syncs over, correct, from browser to browser. Um, uh, well, the extension itself syncs over. I know that. Right. Yeah. There you go. So really, you're only setting that up one time because mm-hmm. so you're not going to have to set it up on your second system. So it's good to see a little bit of love from Google moving over to the uh, to the Linux side of things, considering you know they they've uh, certainly used lots of open source <laughs> stuff in their mix of apps and offerings. So. Well, I think it's a great idea, and if it works, it's going to be, for a GNOME user, that would be great. If you're, you know, setting up different desktops and stuff. Like, if you're a distro hopper like myself, and you you, uh, want to set up GNOME pretty easy, that would be awesome. Yep, absolutely. All right, Rob, we have Firefox 53, 
and it is out for Windows, and I don't believe it's in the repositories yet for Linux. But some bad news for Linux, man. They are dropping support for older processors. Mm. So CPUs older than Pentium 4 and AMD Opteron are not supported anymore in 53. And I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning behind it is, but uh, that's something I think there's going to be that's going to affect a lot more people than what they think. Yeah. Well, you'll have a certain user base, you know, similar to users who require uh, 32-bit support. Um, And now we see that going away, you know, in Arch and and several other distros. This kind of falls in line with that, I would say. Well, you figure it's going to, I would think that it would affect Linux users more than, say, if they were doing this with Windows, because you know, a lot of times the Linux users will uh, put new life into an old machine by putting a, a slick Linux, you know, a light Linux distribution on it. And if they're a Firefox user, you know, they may be using a Pentium or not a, not a Pentium, a Celeron processor or something like that. And it's not no longer going to be supported. And I think it's going to affect a lot of people. Right. Well, and I, I, I want to back up. I want to back up a minute to. Um, it, okay, so it's not on the same level as you know dropping 32-bit support because then you can't install the OS. But it could be on the same magnitude because if you invested everything into the Firefox browser, be it syncing your bookmarks and favorites, you know, having your favorite extensions in place, and then all of a sudden, bam, it no longer works. Um, you know, that's a major hassle and pain in getting things set up through, uh, you know, an alternative browser. Yeah, well, switching browsers is not an, a small issue. You know, most people are very intent on what browser they like and what they want to use and, uh, you know, to having to switch. Now, you can, it says you can use the Firefox 52 uh, ESR version, which is the extended support release, yeah. which is supported until 2018, but... I mean that's that's what your choice basically if you have uh, an older processor, right? So, but there's uh, other updates with Firefox 53. Uh, they're changing the look, and I don't know about you, Rob, but I don't really change the default look of the browser. I don't usually put a whole lot of theming into the browser itself, but they're coming into uh, putting new compact themes. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I typically don't change much in the look of the browser. Um, when you say compact theme, do you mean uh, just kind of smaller bars and things like that, smaller buttons? I think it has more to do with the actual layout where they're not. I don't think the buttons are any smaller, but they're more, uh, I don't know, more gnomish. <laughs> where oh, okay. everything is, a lot yeah. of stuff is hidden, like the menu, it's, the menu bar is hidden. Right. Um, it's just more uh, clean, I would say. Well, and I think that'll be I think that'll be uh, something that will be helpful to them because one of the things, uh, and I don't know, maybe you feel the same way, but every time I launch Firefox, I feel like I've just stepped back in time as far as the default look is concerned. Same with uh, Thunderbird, yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's just it's a little cluttered. You know, you you launch into Chrome and even Opera browser for that matter, and they both have very clean interfaces. Yep. So So, it'll be a welcome change uh, for some people, not so much for others. Right. 
Well, in additional news, um, if you use Wire, uh, the encrypted messaging app, uh, you can now uh, access the PPA for Ubuntu and install Wire. And we'll put a link here with the sudo commands to get that all set up. And I don't, I've never used Wire. Is that something you've used, Rocco? Well, I've used it, but very, very minimal, you know, like uh, maybe a couple times. And it's not that it's it's a bad program. It's just there's so many out there. And once, you, once you're on one, unless there's a good reason to switch to something, which there are good reasons to switch to Wire, but the other people, your people that you talk to, have to use it as well. So you almost have to get everybody on board. Right, yeah. Well, I've never used it, but they go on to say here it has no ads, no profiling or data gathering, and no contact sharing required. You don't even have to enter in your phone number. So um, there is an optional email sign-up available. So they keep things uh, very much on the down low there. So I, I guess that's a very good aspect of it. Yep. Yeah, there are, like I said, there are good things about it. It's just you have to, number one, you have to switch to it, and you have to get whoever you're talking to to switch to it as well. Right. Well, Rob, we have, again, Ubuntu in the news. (laughs) (laughs) So they have announced that they are going to use Waylon by default in 1710. So what do you think? Well, I mean, that's just the trend. We've seen that over the last several months with, uh, you know, everyone from Fedora to um, to Arch-based distros all making that Wayland uh, migration. So I think it's just, um, you know, one more death knell, if you will, uh, for uh, X. So, you know, I think the more people now, since everyone seems to be putting all their chips into Wayland, I think that's a good thing, and the more people you have involved now, I think you know the greater the chance for faster improvement there. Yep. So it's a good thing. And uh, on a side note to that, seventeen ten. Uh, I'm just looking now. the The dates are Alpha One is June 29th, Alpha Two is July 27th, Beta is August 31st, and the final Beta is September 28th for the final release on October 19th. So that's when you can look for it. Artful Aardvark. I love that. Artful Aardvark. <laughs> uh, that's, you know what, we need T-shirts that say Artful Aardvark. Hey, I'm sure there's some out there. <laughs> you want them, I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> that's right. Hey, we've got a couple bits here on DistroWatch. Um, I don't know if you've ever checked out that website, Rocco, but I highly recommend from time to time you take a look at DistroWatch.com. Rob, if you recommend it, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, they so. they list these things called distros. You've probably heard of them, mm-hmm. uh, but at any rate, there's a couple of <laughs> couple of um, fresh uh, distros out there. Uh, Rosa Desktop Fresh R9 is available for download, and that gives you Plasma Five or KDE Four. A uh, pretty big one here, pretty big release is Deepin fifteen dot four. They've got uh, updated system installer with full screen support. Um, they've also are they are also shipping the Linux kernel four dot nine dot eight, which has more driver support, you know, hardware support in general. Um, also, better font rendering, and they go on to say here that the font rendering, and they've also in, that coincides with that. They have resolved 
uh, pop-up hints. I didn't recall there being a problem there. And also, I've always thought that they've done a very nice job with their font rendering, but hey, improvement is always good. Uh, now they in, have enabled the ability to set different backgrounds in each of the virtual desktops. They provide better gesture support, and they've optimized the hot, hot corner experience. And boy, those corners are hot. Uh, <laughs> I just I had to throw that in there. No, so that's been one of the areas that they've always, I think, done a nice job. And so they've got better integration there and a new collection of beautiful wallpapers. And that's another area. Beauty is a big part of Deepin. Um, it's, it's very unique. And there are other distros now that are starting to emulate it a little in certain areas, but everything's contained in a side panel. And I mean everything, all of your options, your settings and everything. They've also changed the look of that. It's now very flat. And Rocco, if you've looked at that, and compared it to their previous version, at first I wasn't real happy with it. But once you get in and you start navigating it, it makes more sense, even though it's flat. Um, you know, at first I thought, well, the, the previous version really looked different, and it still does. It's just, you know, one of those things, it's changed. But uh, for the most part, I think this is an excellent update. Well, I actually had downloaded the release candidate, um, but I never got a chance to install it so i didn't get to see what you were talking about the changes but um hopefully hopefully i can get my Caden live situation resolved and i think i might check that out well rocco there's one more announcement here and this involves our guest who is ike doherty and that is solace releases and iso snapshot 2017.04.18 and there's lots of solace budgie improvements there and i think instead of us running through those running through the list and the lineup why don't we jump over and say hello to ike well let's do it I, everybody's waiting so let's do it all right Ike, welcome back to Destination Linux again. Thank you very much. Good to have you, Ike. Thank you. So we don't have you here just to talk about nothing, right? We have you here because you've been busy. Yeah, had another one of those release things, which apparently people want. So <laughs> this well, is a big one too. Yeah, four months in the making. This one. Um, Gotta tell you, would have thought it would have taken longer to get this one out, but we have it out, and not just two releases this time either. Yeah, I was surprised to see uh, the new GNOME stack 3.24. That one blew me away. I actually uh, installed that last night. And normally we don't put the GNOME stack in so quickly. Um, we tend to wait for like the point one release and that kind of thing. But well, we knew we was going to put out a GNOME ISO anyway. And it would have felt kind of strange if we put out this new release and say, hey, you know, get the latest, shiniest GNOME. Wait, no, it's the old version. <laughs> so we kind of had to update it just so we could live with ourselves and sleep at night. Right. Man, yeah, it seems to have been pretty well received so far. Yeah, the install for me was smooth. Um, there are a few extensions that and I'm not sure on the if it's on the GNOME side or what, but a few of the extensions I think need to be updated to the latest, you know, to accommodate the latest GNOME. Uh, but the install was smooth, and you had one extension in place I'd never seen before, which made the transitions faster. Yeah, I had the impatience extension. Yeah, I like that. I like the name too. Actually yeah. Named. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you've got a tremendous amount uh besides just gnome there i mean this again this thing was a huge release so we didn't want to go through the rundown and um you know bust any bubbles or anything we figured we'd let the man himself kind of run down uh what would you say was the most difficult part for this release or the or the thing that surprised you as far as getting it ready um <clears throat> well that's a fairly good question because uh, i mean you've seen the change log oh yeah it's huge that change log is just for one iso the budgie iso that's not for the repos um <laughs> well according to your website it says the snapshot features a multitude of new improvements and upgrades to almost every package that ships with yeah. any of our isos <laughs> yeah i mean the change log you look at it and <clears throat> it was one of those ones so we used to always include these change logs at the end of our releases we stopped doing them for a little while i'm not sure that we did it on the last release i can't remember but we had a feeling that it would be absurd before we'd even generated it because it basically it looked through all of our git repos and said okay this is the one that you had at that iso this is the one you had now what changed and i thought it's got to be absurd so let's see what it looks like and it was so i included it purely because it was just stupid and i thought that's <laughs> got to go in really hasn't it you know <laughs> There were there was architectural changes that were probably the foundation of this particular release. Yeah, we had software updates and lots of shiny new packages and integration stuff, but from an architectural aspect, that's kind of the key difference between this ISO and the older ones. So in the January release, we had some of the common problems that we've had for a long time, such as kernel management, bootloader management, driver management, um, I think the official bug title on our fabricator was kernel and driver management is flaky. <laughs> flaky. <laughs> it was the only way I could describe it. It's like, this could be better. <laughs> it could be a lot better. <laughs> so now we've got the Clearboot Manager integrated, which is from Clear Linux, which effectively, in a really, really, really short way of saying it is, if you get an update of a kernel now, it won't delete your old kernel straight away. So if this new update comes through and for whatever reason it's incompatible with your system or it's just crap, which can happen, you can right. just put back to the old kernel now. But as you update, the older kernels will be deleted and it will retain the two newest. And So from a peace of mind aspect, that's a hell of a lot simpler for people. It also sold some niggler, niggle, niggly older issues I was like, just join two words together and we'll just roll with that. <laughs> just make it I'm not going away. away with that. I have to explain it now. <laughs> I'm not going away with that. <laughs> so, Nigler. <laughs> there are some older issues that <clears throat> it was very, very strange. So, one we were saying on Josh's machine and nobody else's, but he would upgrade his system. Now, you've all seen that ETC default grub file, which I hate with a passion. But yep. it exists. It is a thing. So what we were doing is we were recording the boot parameters there from the installer. One of them being the parameter that tells your system at boot which one is the encrypted disk that your system lives on. So as you can understand, it's sort of important. <laughs> like, you might want this thing to still exist. It was deleting it. Ah. 
which is not good for anybody. So no. it's like, yeah, I couldn't boot. Why? Well, because I couldn't. We'll show you me a grub file. It's not there. How is it not there? I don't know. You made the thing. <laughs> so, this is the sort of back with offer he's getting. So I got really sick of that. And then in Clearbit Manager itself, I added the support. Because disclaimer, you know, outside of Solus, you know, I do work at Intel. I work on Clear Linux. Yep. And Clearbit Manager is one of those projects where it's like, this has to be agnostic. This has to be something others can benefit, especially me. But it has yeah. to be something that others can benefit from. So one of the things I made it do is automatically detect an encrypted disk and just do the right thing. So that's one of the fundamental architectural changes that went in. Like kernel management is actually okay now. The other one was graphics driver management. In that we got this thing called Linux driver management. I'm kind of annoyed now because we have Clearboot Manager and right. Linux driver management. I'm really annoyed at myself for that one because there's no consistency. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I have to rename it now. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we got Dooflicky. But... Yeah, that's yeah. the world we live in. Though. Yeah, but that can now... Very, very basic support for Optimus hardware. So before on Solus, you'd install the NVIDIA drivers, you'd reboot, you get a black screen, which is not helpful to anybody. So yeah. now we have always on support for Optimus, which... You know, it will suck the battery power, but you can use the GPU. So that will evolve over time and we'll get dynamic switching. But that's the sort of stuff that we was focusing on for this particular Solus release. Like the OS part itself, the glue. What stood out to me is the word bulletproof. I mean, that's pretty bold. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So is it bulletproof? Well, even a bulletproof window, given a big enough rocket, <laughs> right, yeah. you can take the window out. But right. for the most part, yes, it's designed to add a bit of sanity. So if something was to go wrong with the updates, and here's another example. If your EFI system partition, for whatever reason, was to run out of space, thank you, Windows OEMs, who decide that 100 megabytes is big enough for an EFI system partition. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who could possibly need more? Yeah. No, never. You know, like, this is all that anybody will ever need. Oh, wait, where have I heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But it tries to install the new kernels first before it removes the old kernels. So if it can't get them through and it's run out of space, you're just going to be staying on there because it also manages the kernel modules as well. So one of the problems you would have on Solus all the time, you would update, and that's fine because it's update. it used to update exactly like it, how it would do on Arch Linux or Manjaro, whichever one of the derivatives, right? It updates it in place, which means the kernel modules that you did have are now not there for this new version of the kernel, which doesn't sound like so much of an issue because some of them are already loaded, unless you've not yet put a USB stick in, or headphones, or a webcam, or an NTFS disc. And it's like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't have any modules for that. So you'd be forced to reboot for this kernel update. And that's one of the things that are now gone, one of those... Nigglers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I think we call them wigglers over here, but. I'll, do, I'll use yours because yours is natural thing and I just made mine up. <laughs> <laughs> this is what all sleep right. deprivation does to you. That's <laughs> so right. That is in all of the snapshots, right? All of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the version itself is assigned to the OS, not the actual ISO itself. So we used to have this whole thing, and it's a 1 and 1.2.1, and then there was a 1.2.0.5, and 
I'm not very good at versioning things. I don't know if that's obvious. Like, we had Budgie 10.2.9. <laughs> we didn't have a Budgie 9. So I, I'm not good at <laughs> versioning. <laughs> so now we'll... So you know, like, you have your OS release files and your LSB release files and all that stuff. We assign the versions to those and put them out first so that the OS itself is now considered, once up to date, is this particular version which is 2017.04.18.0. There is a reason and a method for that version scheme. I just can't quite recall it. it involves there was the, a reason at the it time. It was good right? at the time. Yeah, though, right? used, the, the one we used to have before was like 0.2000 something, and then it would have like two zeros at the end. And everyone's like, we don't have major versions anymore. Oh, yeah, let's change that. <laughs> so now it basically it's date stamped but it allows for more than one ISO in a day if we had to ever recall an ISO yeah. that's why it's, it's invariably always point zero at the end but yeah so the OS version itself and that's a snapshot of the OS at that particular time unfortunately because it's rolling release people are like yeah you just update and you get the newest one okay no, no more news for you but, but <laughs> I put lots of work into this <laughs> <laughs> Please cover me. <laughs> I want to make it known. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> now, there was some work in the graphics uh, stack mm. side of things. Yeah, we got Mazes 17.0.4, I want to say. Okay. And I I mean, this is, I can't believe this is basically four, four days ago now, the release. It already feels like longer, but yeah, it was four days ago <laughs> from the release. And I had intended to release on the Sunday. And obviously, I think everybody knew I was releasing that weekend anyway. Like, I wasn't really subtle about it. Right. I was like, well, because they even paid someone to do Alt-Tab, didn't they? That's they right. Mm-hmm. Which I suppose I'll get on to in a minute anyway. Supposed to release on the Sunday, and the new Mesa was supposed to come out on the Sunday as well. I will be honest, I kind of did wait for it to turn up okay. so I could put it in. But... We're going through some infrastructure upgrades at the moment because basically it's one of those ones with hindsight probably shouldn't have done some of these things. So I intended to release on the Sunday. I pushed out the changes to the OS. We'd done all the release notes. And at the time it was 0.2017.04.17.0. But before you can cut the ISOs, you've got you've to sync the stable repos because you're building this ISO off the stable repos is what everybody's going to use. That sync took 104 minutes. Wow. Yeah, there might be a slight bug in the script. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So it took so long that it's like, we're going to have to do a different version number now. So technically, we had two OS versions in the space of a few hours. Wow. Because the sync operation took too long. That's crazy that, mm. I mean, just the small, well, not a small thing, but the sync operation, changing things. So from a graphic standpoint, what do we see? Um, I haven't read up on the changes within MESA. What what are we talking about there? I mean, is this something that the typical user is going to notice right away? Or I mean, on this graphics? one was basically a bug release. Okay. Um, there was a few like i nine six five changes, which is basically like your onboard Intel graphics. There was a few changes there. I think there was some like Radeon changes as well, mostly bug fixes. Gotcha. It's kind of a good idea to keep Mazer up to date. That's the guy that provides your the open source three D capabilities. Okay. 
um, yeah, that's important. In conjunction with the kernel as well, don't get me wrong. But yeah, so like your libgl, that's yep. amazing, unless you're using NVIDIA proprietary drivers because you own a machine and you actually want to use it for what you paid for. Right. Pretty much. I have an issue with the Nova drivers. Right. There are right. issues with the Nova drivers? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's this you speak of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you have now three ISOs. Mm. Budgie, Mate, and Gnome. It yeah. was good, good timing on the Gnome release, or what? Seems how it's being talked about. Bit of eggs. So we've been planning it for a while, but obviously the first thing that comes out of people's places is like, ah, come on. Mechanical <laughs> <laughs> was doing it, you just wanted it on it. Come on now. No. <laughs> like, announced in January that Budgie would be moving to Q, and it's like, we're going to have this gnome stack just left in the repos and pe- there are going to be people who want to stay on a more gnome experience that's that's their choice and I'll be damned if I'm going to remove that choice from them so we'd had gnome shell in there for a while we had we had GDM we had all of that in there and it kind of felt like one of the dirty secrets of Solus it's like yeah you know we have Budgie and you know it's kind of gnome based and pst, we have we have gnome shell though Right, and that's right. kind of what it felt like. It's like, well, there are a lot of people using it. I mean, you'd you'd seen it all over like Google Plus. You would see like the Gnome Shell stuff, and there's stuff up on YouTube how to get onto Gnome Shell. It's like, what if, right? <laughs> we just made this a blessed experience, and that's what we did. So it's like apply the the same sort of strategy that we done for Mate and Budgie. Well, obviously, for Budgie, you'd, you'd kind of hope so, really, wouldn't you? <laughs> but just for those same out-of-the-box defaults. And in terms of building it, I mean, we did the same as we did for the other ISOs. We give it this ISO definition. Uh, we create a branding package. You know, just basically fork the other one and then just change the overrides. And that's mostly when it comes to, obviously, packaging and bugs and stuff. But, yeah, and, and i got to say, I, I like it. My laptop, the Optimus laptop, which I call it my suicide box. Ah. Because if I'm doing anything remotely dodgy results, it's going on there. Because then I can just flash it again, and that's fine. Whereas the the knock I have beside me, which I don't know why I'm pointing, because you can't see it, but just imagine you can. Right? Just <laughs> use your imagination here. <laughs> I would be terrified to reinstall that, because I wouldn't know what I'd still have to back up. Yeah. There's SSH keys, there's GPG keys for several accounts. There are projects that I don't even know that I started. Right. That I might need to finish. (laughs) (laughs) There's a year from now, it may hit you. Yeah. Yeah, but like, oh, I remember that project. No, you deleted your disk. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ike, I was happy to actually see it. And like I said, I installed it last night um, and no issues. It was a very smooth install process. I got to say, I was happy to see that you included right out of the box dash to dock. Yeah. Uh, so great move there. And then a few other extensions turned on, a few other select extensions turned on. Did you go through an extension process just to kind of double check and make sure that, you know, they were stable extensions, so on and so forth. Cause that can get you into some trouble having the wrong extension in place. Yeah. I mean, Josh was basically in charge of this ISO. So he's officially termed as maintainer of this ISO. 
And one of the reasons for that is because people like, you're creating another ISO, there's too much work on your hands. It's like, one, he's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Josh. All right. And he's, he's been using this stuff for a fair amount of time now. Um, Ironically, the lack of alt-tab drove him into the arms of Gnome. Okay. Which, you know, I can forgive him for that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's extensions he's been using for a while now, so he's got them packaged up, and he's got it kind of how he felt it would be, out of the box. And there are a couple of minor issues with the extensions that will be, once we have updates upstream for those, Yep. then we can just issue Solus updates them again, but they seem to work together fairly well because you know yourself some of the some of the extensions there do fairly brutal simple logic and then you have to restart when you've disabled one of them because yep. it's moved something over here and now we have no applications menu and then you have a tray sticking out somewhere but together they seem to work pretty okay they seem to be fairly well written robust there you go there's the word i like that yeah well and it seemed very smooth um and then you had the uh, one extension, uh, tell me the name of it, where it speeds up. Impatience. Yeah. Say it again. Impatience. Yes, perfect. So it's like half the animation time. Yeah, and and that seems to work. Uh, the name fits. So, Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of like perceived performance. If you feel like something's a little bit too slow, over time it taints your experience with it because you're like, God's sake. Click, click, <laughs> yeah. Double click. You know, if you get to a point where you're double clicking anything on Linux, you know you're annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to see anything spinning anywhere. All right. So you have so we got the GNOME. So what are the improvements in Budgie? Hmm. <laughs> How long is this show, Rocco? <laughs> well, there's the alt tab, right? I mean yeah. the, the crown in feature. As the alt tab, because to say that the previous alt tab was derpy, huh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> I've wanted to get Body Eleven done for a fair amount of time, but I can't, couldn't get it out until basically the ten point two point whatever series was basically done with, because. I know the stuff I have to do for Budgie 11 and anything to Budgie 10 is almost, almost a waste of resources because it's going to get done again. So I was like, okay, we need one last release out that addresses some of the longer-standing derpiness. And the most infamous of them all, the most meme-worthy, the king of all kings, is Alt-Tab. Because... I mean, I don't know how to explain this, but it'd be like if you was to crossbreed <laughs> a vending machine with a drive-through uh. and a random function. Ah, uh-huh. that would that's, come out good. That's fairly accurate for where Alt Tab was or wasn't. More to the point, so. I was looking at the rigs and I said, look, I haven't done alt tab to this point. I'm not particularly inclined to do it at this point either. However, I would like to get the release out. And then, as I sometimes rarely do, I had an idea. And sometimes they work, surprising as it is, but sometimes they actually work. <laughs> and I was just talking on IRC, I was like, 
I'm going to do something stupid. Right? Those my exact words on IRC. <laughs> I'm going to do something stupid. <laughs> and then that's when I put up the Google Buzz post. And I basically said, if it was on a Thursday, and I said, if anyone could do it, I think it was before the Saturday afternoon, uh, the Saturday evening, sorry. Basically said, if anyone can implement the alt-tab support, and basically, you know, it has to have a natural selection of the windows and some sort of indication that it's happening because Buddy didn't have that. It was like, hold down alt-tab and trip out your cat. That was probably the main feature of the previous budget. But I said, if you can do that, I will pay you 500 euros by PayPal. And I made the sure to say up front, by PayPal. In no wow. case someone was afterwards and I was like, I don't have PayPal. Uh, crap. But people <laughs> came through. There were three pull requests in the end. Two of them are active by the end. But because they were both making fixes at the same time to address the same things, I couldn't honestly say, you know, because the idea of being whoever got the in first, the first functioning one, wins. Ah. But because they're making adjustments at the same time to the same things, like, I'm not going to be able to fairly call this. It wouldn't be fair to call this. So I said it then. I was like, well, I'm going to close it in two hours, and then we're deciding which one's the best. So gave it the two hours, and then, you know, like building up a little bit of hype at the same time, you know. I'm sure, yeah. And I thought everyone was like, right, but it was basically like, write pens down, and papers in, you know, that right. Right. <laughs> the teacher coming around and picking up all the exams. <laughs> and I, I initially, the, they both had a few, few bugs. I wasn't looking for perfection, I wasn't looking for polish. You know, that's something I can do post merge, which I did and I cleaned it up. But one particular one, was more in line with what we needed to do. And it was a lad called Tim, goes by the name of Tim on IRC. Merged it, got it in, paid him out. He's happy, you know, and we got all tabs. So then I spent, I think it's about another hour and a half, two hours fixing up the alt tab. And each time that I fixed it up, I then sent another sync into the Solus repo so that we could test it. And now I think it's fairly pretty. You know, I'd done this styling to make it fit in with the rest of Arc. Um, right. Initially, it was just like a vertical list of the application. It had labels for each of the things. And it worked pretty well. Uh, it had the right sort of behavior going on, you know. Like you alt-tab and you go back between two windows. And then if you alt-tab again twice, you'd get to one that was before it. You know, natural behavior, which it didn't have. So that all worked. Yeah. Then I changed it into a horizontal icon-based list which would limit it to eight icons per row, and then it would expand to another row and then start filling them in. And, yeah, that's now in. And funny enough, even the Adapter guys were immediately out with a release, and they've had about four releases since. Wow. For their DTK thing, which has support for the new alt-tab as well. It does look pretty slick, i got to say. Like, it's sort of growing on me. And I, I'm known for not liking material design as well. Right. <laughs> that's right. It looks nice. Well, now I'm intrigued. I've got to get uh, the latest budgie on there then and check that out. And, hey, crazy idea you had, mm. but for things to happen in what – how many hours are we talking here, Ike? Yeah, I mean, I was on the Thursday, and I had a lot to do. And I wanted it done that really because I wanted to get the stuff done the week before. Okay. And – I knew what I had to get done, and I can't even remember. I think it was like uh, there was installer porting, and there was all these little bits that had to be done before the weekend. And it's like, look, we get the community involved. And the way it was done, like someone would have to have knowledge of soulless ways and budgie ways, 
to yeah. be able to achieve this task. And that was kind of intentional. I know it might sound unfair, but it had to be a community-owned task. And there were people saying to me, it's like, why don't we go onto the freelance.org? I think it's .org. Um, there's a freelance website. It's like, no, that's not the point of this. Right. You know, I don't want to just pay some random guy off the street because if I'm going to do that, I'll go down to the job center and I say it to your man and say, well, here's 500 quid now. Will you come up to my place and will you finish it off, right? There's no yeah. fun in that. There's no engagement in that. It had to be someone from the community that done that. And it was, it was a couple of hundred lines of code, to be fair. And it helped us get to where we got. So pragmatism won there. Like pragmatism won the day. Community got involved. Somebody else benefited. But as a result, everybody benefited as well. Absolutely. So it was nice, and I'd like to do something like that again in the future, to be honest. It was it was nice. Well, it's 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 nice. It um it's kind of a win win, you know. And uh also I love hearing the behind the scenes on that because when you're using it, it means more. Yeah. You know? So that's cool. Well you put out a tweet uh the other day, I think it was, and <laughs> And I forget what the title was, but it was basically a picture, and it was you didn't put anything out explaining what it was, uh-huh. and um, you were actually pointing out the fact that you can now move the. Oh yes, <laughs> I remember the conversation? <laughs> yes, they were lovely backgrounds, weren't they? Well, I t- I tweeted back. I said these are great backgrounds. <laughs> I thought he was being serious. <laughs> I'm fluent like, oh, in sarcasm. It's all about the backgrounds. Fluent <laughs> <laughs> in sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, flew over my head. Yeah, you can now move the window decorations to the left. It's not a massive feature by any means. It's like, oh, well, you can move them to the left. Okay. But it's it's now done in an integrated way. You can just go onto Raven and you can just press the combo button. You go left or right. Window switch, left or right. But it was done at this point because we now got it working for not just normal applications like Google Chrome and that, but for GNOME applications which have their own title bars, you know, like the CSD applications. So it controls both of them at the same time. So yeah, it was a it was a tiny little feature, but it's one of those ones. It's like I could probably get that in, couldn't I? Yeah, wouldn't be that hard, you know. <laughs> well, I for one always move my buttons over to the left, no, right. matter, no matter what desktop environment I'm running. So mm-hmm. that's it's those little features that go in that make it really nice. Hmm. And the backgrounds, obviously. And, well, the backgrounds are great. I mean, it was it was a lovely background. I think it was a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Would make sense. Yeah. All right. So you also have the Mate edition, mm-hmm. and any upgrades to that? Yeah, that's now Mate 1.18.1 or something. Um, A couple of the bugs that persisted in the older versions are now resolved. The main one that we was having was keyboard layout management was a bit... Yeah. But now it works. So keyboard layouts are sticky. They'll apply it, log in, you can dynamically change them through the control center like you kind of expect. So those work. Um... Uh, Brisk 0.3.5, which is the same version you have in the latest Ubuntu Mate. So, yeah. That's most of the stuff that happened for Mate, really, you know. This was more of a budgie cycle, but bug fixes as well. And there's lots of other details here, back to budgie. And uh, this was one that I was reading over earlier uh, with the applets uh, customization Mm -hmm. options. Uh, on the buzz uh, on the budgie side, so um, you know, like 
click sw- uh, quick switch from 24 hour mm. uh, show date, things like that. And again, that that's those small details. And you know, when I'm looking at a distro, there's little things that I'm trying to find that hey, how does this help? Where does this mm. improve? And sometimes the smallest details. And we've talked about this before, like you weren't like you were, I think, surprised at how many people were enthused about the brisk menu. No, it's a menu. It's a menu. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, this is a menu, but it was a big deal and still is as you're making improvements on it. But I just I say all of that to say those small things that, you know, because we all have our own perspectives. Mm. So from the coding side of things, you're working on something that Rocco and I you know, wouldn't have a clue as to exactly what it is you're, you're uh, typing out there. And to you, this is huge. And to us, we see that, oh, now you can just one click activate this. Man, that's, you, you know, that's enormous um, to make up an Ike word. Yeah. Enormous. And, uh, <laughs> huge and you, know, you know, we're going on on the video about it. And you're sitting back thinking, oh, really? You know, I typed out 400 lines of code for this, but you guys are talking about the one little click deal over here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, the thing with the clock, it, it come up on Google Plus and someone was in the budget channel. And someone's like, any plans to add this? And this was post-alt-tab. was getting ready to cut budget 10.3. And, like, and I was like, I knew there was an open issue on GitHub for it as well. I was like, why couldn't be that hard, you know? <laughs> uh, looking up at it, I'm thinking, could be done, couldn't it? And I think all in all, it was like probably 40 lines of code, if that. Oh, wow. It was real simple, but it's like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like the last minute thing that I put it is like, ta-da, I planned this. <laughs> <laughs> it was planned from the beginning. That's right. I was totally meant to wing it. <laughs> I went back six months, saw this in my notes, and I had been 25% the way through with this and figured, what the hey, right? <laughs> I, I seem to vaguely recall this thing. Yeah, I planned this. I planned this, yeah. Uh, Conversation in passing. Right. <laughs> Well, you're still waiting on that one line of code from me, right? Yeah, but I mean, that's an important change. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to take your time with this stuff. <laughs> I got the I got the first part of it done. Uh, you, you might have to wait a couple days, years longer for the rest <laughs> of it, but uh, I got the first line done. <laughs> well, it, it's what slowed him down is he was doing everything in all caps, Ike. Right. So that slowed him down. Yeah. Linux doesn't like all and... caps. Yeah. No, it's very. <laughs> uh, so overall, Ike, were you? I mean, for you, I mean, with each release, you, I guess, you sit back and you go, "Hey, as far as releases go, this was a good, successful release." Did Did you have that feeling with this release? I did, um, which immediately disappeared to the lack of any media attention to it. Ah, I was like. Hey, this thing is out now. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll fix you. Started retweeting me on tweets. No, seriously, it's out. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I uploaded them, please. <laughs> well, you know what I wonder, um, and I'll say I'm kind of guilty of this, is so from the last time we were together and you're talking about the plans for QT and Budgie 11, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, man, this is this is huge. And so kind of in the back of my mind, I'm checking your 
uh, you know, your blog and your site frequently looking for kind of those updates on the Budgie 11 side and kind of have that frame of mind. And I wonder if other people are kind of in that same frame of mind. And then you see this release and you start reading through it. And to me, this is a big release. Yeah, it's um, definitely the biggest release we've ever done. Like, yeah, hands down. And you'd, you'd notice as well, one of the nice things about including that changelog, actually, there were new names. There were lots of new names in that changelog. Yeah. And that felt really great for me personally, because one of the things we're trying to do now is to use a really, really horrible, agile-like corporate word we are upscaling our infrastructure right now <laughs> to improve the synergy among our base. My goodness, that sounds incredible. That is awesome. <laughs> I know. I don't even know what it means, but it sounds fantastic, and I want to buy it along with coffee. <laughs> you know, I I mean, this coffee. Is a, this is a conversation you would have in Starbucks, you know. Um, there was a lot of new contributors coming forward, and it's getting to a point where we're starting to have a backlog of patches coming through from people, and it's like, wow. And there, there's repeated contributions coming through from people to update things, to fix things, and to enable things. And, I mean, like, the FFmpeg was put forward by the community, merged that, and then went around, did rebuild, so was the VLC patch in to work with FFmpeg3. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't just the Solos core team anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong, but you can... You can definitely see my name scattered through that list. <laughs> right. You know, I got busy. And I think there's only one instance of swearing in that list as well. <laughs> well, I want to say this too, and it's just not because you're on here as a guest, hmm. but you guys took a lot of time to really list through in detail all of these changes. I mean, this page is a long scrolling page. So and once you get to primary change, been... like, that part is machine generated. Once you get to the primary okay. change, that's... Um, that's after we've gone through our high-level summary, you know, show off the sexy screenshots and stuff. Right. And then after we then machine-generated everything that's basically the section of all the hyperlinks. Do yep. people still call them that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they're in my age group, they do. <laughs> hyperlinks, right? <laughs> but all of that part is machine-generated from the actual Git repos themselves. So we'll look. We, every time we do a release, we'll record every package version, release, etc. We'll record all of those version numbers. Um, we encode that in the files so that later on when we do another release, we can compare the two of them and then look at the Git history between all of them and then generate a change log. So we can say, oh, these things changed or these things were removed or these things were added. So you see like the kernel and kernel modules package are gone, replaced with the yep. Linux LTS package, which is now the one that's managed by Clear Boot Manager. So all of that stuff is all machine done. Okay. And okay. you see lots of names in there. And at the moment, we're enabling more people to get involved because our we have changed a couple of times how we do contribution to Solus because we're trying to optimize it for the user base, right? Right. <laughs> optimize the synergy. <laughs> i tell you what, I'm impressed, Ike. Just, just, just these big words you're using. I know, I know. It's it's the tea. Oh, it's all the antioxidants. They are all the rage. <laughs> but what we're trying to do is we're trying to... I can't stop using buzzwords now. We're going to streamline it. <laughs> we're going to streamline our synergy. Right? So that the uh, capacitive flux capacitor will 
Well, upscale, uh, right? Yeah. Upscale, that's right. So, yeah, this is part of the 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 problems of working in the corporate world as well. They kind of bleed over. Yeah. So yeah. at the moment, people basically they'll open up an issue on our fabricator, which is like the dev.solusproject.com, which is as bug trackers go, is kind of pretty. It was originally created by the Facebook guys, funnily enough. Uh, open source, the whole lot. It's really nice to work with, unlike, say, Bugzilla. Right. Which is a horror show. But, <laughs> I mean, no insults to it, but we ran it. <laughs> right. Not anymore. And at the moment, they have to upload the patches, and then somebody has to go there and manually apply them. And it's hard at the moment to allocate real maintainers of packages and it's a bit of pain at the moment, but when we first started out, it was like it was fine. I mean, a while back before that, it was fine that we had a single GitHub repo for all of the packages, but that's nowhere near the case anymore. Like we've gone to a point where we have to have one Git repo per package, which is a bit like how Fedora and such do them as well. Uh, and now we're at the point it's like we actually need to be able to say like this person is an explicit maintainer of this package and is allowed to push straight to the repo and is allowed to push to the build server to have the build server do the, uh, the stuff. And this links into what I was saying before about the massive delays. Like, 104 minutes to sync the repos is absurd. Yeah. And originally when I designed it, <laughs> designed is a very loose word in this context, <laughs> originally when I created this, <laughs> because it's one of those things where you say it grew organically, to put it politely, it right. grew organically. It was not designed to support a repo this large. And uh, it might sound strange because people say, well, there's not that many packages in there. There's actually about 6,500 binary packages, unique named binary packages in the repos, right? But then obviously there's package splitting, so it's a little bit less, right? Yeah. But it's not splitting to the level of Debian where one thing turns into 30 or whatever. It's like three or four at most. So... You have, say I have this one package, this is now split into two or three, but then there's three versions of these packages going back because people need to update and still see the old versions and install them. They need to still persist on the server for a certain amount of time to stop it going 404, 404 every time you're doing an update, <laughs> right? So you have to maintain those. Additionally, you have to then have the Delta updates between those, which minimize the cost of the update. So once you have something like six and a half thousand packages, which is easy enough to deal with. But once you take into account the backlog versions and the Delta maps, that actually expands into 75,000 packages. Wow. Which I never saw coming because I didn't do this thing called maths. <laughs> <laughs> it would have helped me out a lot here. <laughs> so, uh, math, I'm it, never going to use that in my adult life. What do I need this stuff for? I don't know. If, if A equals B, then how much is an orange? I don't care, right? <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> that was my approach to it. <laughs> uh, and at the time, it was like a couple of thousand packages. This will easily deal with that because it actually has to find every single EO package file underneath that directory, which isn't too hard to do when it's a few thousand. Open them, right. read the metadata information, and then Spat them all into an index. Okay. I did not anticipate 75,000. So when it's pulling through those, each every time it gets a new package, it puts it in, then it's doing that index again. It's an exponential growth of the index mm. oh. because you've just added one more, you've dealt it out, and it's just exploded and it keeps exploding, it keeps exploding. 
so when it does pull from like unstable to stable, which is basically hard link that package in there and spit out the index, if there's deltas to be created, do with them. It's stopping on every single new package that was going in. So that's why it took 104 minutes. And it's not a it's not a weak little server, that package server. I mean, it's sitting on an Intel Xeon. You know, like it's not a it's not a PPS or anything. It's a bare metal server that we have. So it's, it's really decent. a compound issue. It's it's compounding each time. Yeah. On, so on that has really been rearing its head over the last few weeks. And what we want is for contributors to be able to push stuff. We don't want them having to wait around like we've been doing. It's like, I've pushed this build, and now I've waited 20 minutes for it to turn up in the repo so I can just do this thing. And that's happening for some things. So my current focus is tooling and infrastructure because while it's going to take probably a week or two just to finish it all up so it's all done nicely for everyone and people will be like, well, why aren't we working on Budgie? Why aren't you doing that? The secret of it is once I've done that, we're going to have community maintainers who can just push stuff and we're going for instant availability. So it's in the unstable. Like the second it's finished building, it's there. It's in unstable. They can just keep pushing builds. I also want to enable parallel builds because one of the things we've been doing quite silly because I like big numbers. I don't like maths, but I like big numbers. What I was doing initially is the build server under the desk there. Somebody pushes a build. This guy takes over and it does like a make dash J40 which means it's doing like 40 threads for the build operation. I was like, e, that's great. That's fantastic, right? Big numbers. <laughs> it actually becomes more of a blocker. It sounds absurd, right? Because you'd be like, well, surely if you chew in through everything at make J40, it's going to just going to rip through that queue. It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. So I thought instead of that, why don't we have like seven or eight different, like four or five threads, going on at the same time and just stick them up into the repo right so you're juggling <laughs> at that point uh, and then we can have parallel builds going on we can have instant availability of packages we'll have people own their own repos over on the dev site as well because it's all moving into fabricator instead of uploading patches they'll be able to have like inline reviews and there'll be like automatic machine checks on the patches to make sure everything's sane so we'll go from like a few guys in the middle being the bottleneck to lots of people in the community being able to continuously push all the time. And we could have like multiple updates building at the same time, all queued up. And that in itself is basically going to empty our patch log because okay. we're going to have people contributing all the time. It will never stop. So that's what wow. I'm going to do basically for the next couple of weeks, going from this very sequential process of getting the packages in and a couple of core team members having to sign off on everything. To a point where, again, corporate term, but we're going to grow horizontally. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone can get involved. So we can go from having like five people to 50 people, that kind of thing. Well, and I was looking through, you've got, you know, a good number of packages added, more uh, more packages added than you have removed. But I noticed in the remove list was VLC, which leads me to a question. I think we talked about uh, in the, the last Destination Linux uh, with you as our guest, which is the process for which you decide this needs to be removed. Hmm. Uh, so in the case of VLC, for example, which is something that I use frequently, uh, what was the what was the reason it's behind that? Repos. It's still in the okay. repos. It's just removed from the image. That's it. Ah, I got you. Okay. So okay. it's a default package selection. It's We're not removing anything from the repos. I don't like removing things. Okay. Um, if I'm forced to, then we'll do it. One of the recent examples of that 
is one of the packages we had came into question, uh, FAAC. Uh, apparently, it has a disreputable legal status. So it was purged from the repo and done in a way that if you update, it will remove itself. Ah, uh, We very rarely do that, but we typically do a replacement approach. So if we nuke something, we'll replace it with something else. And that's what we did for FAAC. F-A-A-C. Um, from the ISO itself, we removed TLP and Thermal D. We're the best will in the world, TLP is a... Words I cannot even express here on this family-friendly <laughs> content we've had so far. Uh, I have a few theories for not TLP. We can have a not-safe-for-work edition, Ike, if we uh, need to. TLP was causing more problems than it solved across the board. It's like, help, my computer went to sleep, and I can no longer see my SSD. Uh, what? Wow. My That's network disappears after 10 minutes. My screen won't come back up. I'm losing packets. I can't hibernate. I can't use gamepad controllers. External USB headphones stop working. It's like, this is a heap of crap. Wow. We got it to a point where we disabled virtually everything in TLP. And it was still doing that. So it's like, okay, goodbye. And what we did for a couple of months is we put that on the blacklist. So over time, in that two-month period, it removed itself from everyone's systems. Then we unblacklisted it again, so it was available in the repo. But by that time, ninety percent of users it was gone from their systems. Then they could optionally install it again. It's like we're not we're not doing this. Thermal D was removed. Um, it was causing some frontline issues on certain computers because the way Thermal D works is once your system gets to a certain temperature, it's like nope, nobody's coming past here now. We're right. doing nothing. Right, <laughs> which is fine unless you need to you know get any work done. Or use um, it, yeah. Or use it. And we had that from a couple of people who hardware sensors are rarely accurate in what they're reporting to Linux. And uh, Brian, one of the guys on the team, he was like, so my system, I've just booted it after two days, you know, cold boot, and it's telling me it's at 96 degrees or 80-something degrees when it clearly wasn't. And Thermo D was like, nope. <laughs> You're not doing nothing, pal. (laughs) Problems like that, we got rid of. And what we tried to do is we tried to solve the underlying power issues, like booting up the system in the performance governor, like in the kernel. So it's set to default to um, the performance governor. Later on during boot, after you got past your fast boot because you're in performance, it will then settle on like the power demand or uh, on-demand or power save governor. So that you still save the power, but you still get the rapid build-up times and the power is there if you need it, but it's just not constantly sucking power. So that's the kind of things we try to balance it out with. Well, I'd like to, if if I may, and and I don't recall you listing all of the contributors in the last release that you had, Snapshot release. Did you do that? I mean, because this is a – I love seeing this. Um, Hmm. Did you list everyone who contributed last time in the last – Okay. I just missed it, but um, I just want to kind of go through and give a shout-out, if you don't mind. Um, There's a guy named Ike, and it seems like he's been pretty busy with this. (laughs) So shout-out to Ike. (laughs) Can't get on with that job. (laughs) And you've got Peter O'Connor, Joshua Strobel. Yep. Joshua Strobel, Peter O'Connor. Let's see here. Keep moving. Uh, Justin Zobel. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Brian Myers. So that's the car team done. Okay. And then Michael M, because I would butcher the last name. Help me out there, Ike. Um, Michael, M-E-I-N-E-R-T-Z-H-A-G-E-N. <laughs> Very good. Very good. But, Michael, you know who you are. Uh, so, yeah, great seeing that list. Uh, Zach Bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. If I missed anyone, Ike, anyone that comes to mind there, just wanted to give them all a shout out. Loads in there. And that's uh, Pierre. one of the things I like most. Yep. yep. Lots of stuff there. VLC, FFMP comes to mind at the moment. Yep. So yeah. just shout out to everyone. Thanks for all your uh, your work and input there. Yeah, I mean, it shows, like, you see this change log in comparison to previous change logs. You can definitely see something has changed. There are more people getting involved, and that that's why I'm doing what I'm doing at the moment, so I can enable them to build more solos for themselves. Because it was a long, long time ago, you know, since starting out, if you like, on the road. And while originally, you know, I was like, yeah, build solos for me, build budgie for me, this is what I want, you know. We are so, so, so far beyond that now. Like, and absurdly past that point where I can't sit there and think, it's like, well, sure, I would like this. Yeah, but I'm sure everyone else would kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's the way that it's coming together. It feels like genuinely community built. And while I'm technically the dictator or whatever it's supposed to be called, I'm I'm kind of not in a sense because I'm I'm also there to serve the community. At the end of the day, I'm there to serve the community. Sometimes I will put on my dictator hat uh, because I have to step in and it's like, no, this is not in line with whatever or it doesn't make sense. And honestly, that's more being a project architect than it is being a dictator. You know, you're making sure that the right boxes are ticked, that everything is still going forward. So I've almost, almost relinquished the dictator role. Uh, there is still, there is still a bit there on retainer, as it were. Had to, if it needs to come out, then it does come out. Obviously, <laughs> and that will always be the case. But so much more Solus is being built by you know, and it's so cliche, but it's being built by Solus users for Solus users. You know, right? It's very cliche, but wow, it it's is. like it's I've seen really that nice. tagline before somewhere. I'm trying to for picture. gamers by gamers. <laughs> <laughs> you know. As I get copyright strikes on my face and my words, <laughs> but well, it is nice. To, it's generally a good feeling. Going back to uh, what you said about um, uh, the news and why it's not, why it was like a ho hum release, and it wasn't. But uh, I think it might be a double edged sword of releasing it with the whole Ubuntu news, where yeah, the GNOME ISO coming out. Uh, there's a lot of talk about GNOME, but then the Ubuntu news itself kind of yeah. drowned out everything else, no matter what it was. Yeah. That's why we actually released after them. Yeah. I was very yeah. deliberate because we were going to get completely drowned. There was no sensible way of doing it. We'd have been completely drowned. Um, we were, uh, we were joking about that this morning, Rocco and I about uh, how unity was the, the one desktop that everyone loved to pick on. And now all of a sudden everyone wants, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, and now everyone wants to make every other desktop try to look like Unity or act like Unity. So, and you know, I'm guilty of that as well. I I plopped GNOME on there and said, "Hey, let's do what we can to make GNOME look like Unity." You know, not hard either. 
Yeah, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, the, the main problem we have is it's sort of twofold at this point. One, Solus is roll and release. Roll and releases just do not get coverage full stop. Yeah. And it's something Solus is trying to change because we're not a conventional roll and release either. You know, it's not like you switch on every day and you're sitting there saying, for the love of God, will he stop pushing updates to Nano? (laughs) 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 Which I kind of have a habit of doing, right? But Solus unstable, that's the roll and release. That's the thing we don't really actually release, oddly enough. That's where all of the changes happen. You know, that's our rawhide, tumbleweed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then we have Solus Stable, which, according to Wikipedia, no, I didn't write this, right? Promise. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody put it fairly well put, I thought. I can't English at the moment. They put it quite well. And they said it's a curated rolling release. And they weren't talking about the package selection. They were talking about the update process. And I thought, and it's pretty spot on because we don't push updates every single day to the repos. We do an unstable. That's always going. But we have a stabilization process. And then we sync. And then, you know, you start off again. Um, I mean, obviously, the biggest one we've done was this one just gone past, which for some people varied anywhere between 300 megabytes and 1.5 gigabytes. Was the largest I seen very like, mm, Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a typical rolling release. So trying to change the perception of that so people see it for what it is. You know, like these are while it's a rolling release, these are still versioned releases. You know, these these aren't just automatically generated snapshots. You know, we are doing QA on them. We are making sure things work. We are we have targets for each release. In many ways, it's a lot like a traditional release. It's just coming from a rolling release. And we probably shot ourselves in the foot by calling it a snapshot. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's just the word snapshot. That's just mm-hmm. one of those things. It, it kind of belittles in a way, you know, I mean, especially in this happened. case. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, it's, it's, it is a release, whatever way you want to look at it. Rolling release or not, that is a versioned release of the operating system. Right. And I think we shot ourselves in the foot there. But people are over time cottoning on to what Solus is and you can why call it it's the, not like over things. Call it the 4K snapshot, you know, as opposed to, say, the Polaroid snapshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can keep that free, Ike. You can have that one. You get what you pay for, right? <laughs> That's right. You get what you pay for, Ike. That's right. But no, it, it's it's yeah, it's a sh- and I think it's probably you know, it's just overused and people. Oh, okay, there's a new snapshot and they glaze over it and kind of move on a lot of times. And yeah, so in this case, well, I'm stoked now to get. Well, first of all, I'm going to go through the um, gnome edition, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be doing a video on that. But now I'm kind of more stoked as we've been talking about budgie, the budgie side, and those changes. So we'll budgie's have to get that. There. I mean, it's. And again, it's something I found very entertaining recently. Like, I've seen some news go out, and I mean, let's address the elephant in the room here. You know, you've had a bunch of budgie go out, right? Right. Yep. Right. It is the elephant in the room here. So we'll address that. And I try not to get involved in any news that's relating to them because at the end of the day, you know, it's their day. It's their day in the spotlight, you know. And all the guys behind it, you know, like uh, David, you've. Dustin, I know a few of the guys, and they're actually all right. 
But some some of the things that went out. Ubuntu now releases with a new Budgie desktop. <laughs> what? The new Budgie desktop. The new Budgie desktop. Now it's me in my head. December 2013. <laughs> so, all right. You know, I twitch aside. I will continue to read. Forked from the highly popular Norm Shell. Oh. Wow. I'm in the first sense. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I may have to correct you now. You know, just a small bit. And I corrected this one guy. Um, I will name it. It was Fast Post. Right? I don't care. I will name it. Right? See yeah. me. Um, <laughs> actually, don't. I haven't got a great deal of money. It's been done before. No, frankly, no. There's plenty of time. Don't worry. Plenty of time. <laughs> okay. And... And I corrected them. I was like, well, actually, this post was about Ubuntu Budgie, not Budgie. It's like, yeah, well, all right. In the back of my head, I'm thinking over things, you know, which I won't say. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> I'm sure. A fairly colourful chat. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. That's great. But you're talking about my desktop. <laughs> you know, right. That's not right. Not far from anything. For the longest time, the Budgie repo had a very antagonizing readme. And I, do you know the program Figlet? No. He used it to generate ASCII art, right? Okay. Like a big, obnoxious, like, uh, ASCII bubble text. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I stuck that in the readme, not a fork. And I left it there for about two years. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might return it. I yeah. think I might actually return it. That's a good that. idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Budgie 11 will... One, it'll change the weird brand disassociation around it, but... I think we're forever doomed in that department because a lot of the times people are now looking at Ubuntu Budgie and Budgie is the same thing and the messaging coming from the community is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Like I've seen some sort of comments going around on Google Plus is like, given that Ike is moving Budgie to cute, but yes, right. it, it's my project. I'm fairly entitled to do so, right? Right. All the time that I'm over 90% of the contributions in Buddy Desktop, I think I'm all right calling the shots. I would say that's a, yeah, that's a safe assumption but, on yeah, your part. Given that Ike is moving it to Q, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, right? scalded child. Will, uh, will Ubuntu be forking the Budgie Q, uh, GTK version, or will they be going? With Q, I was like, when did we get to this point in Linux? Yeah. Like, seriously, when did we get to this point? It's like making a decision based on technical grounds and honestly had enough stress to last me a lifetime from the path that I've gone through already, right? I want to do things properly. Making a technically sound decision, people's like, how dare you? How dare you do this with your own project? With your own creation, that's right. That's right. Your own software, the cheek of you. To want to influence the the decisions and and to do good things for the community, how dare you? I am forking, and I suppose that relates into Unity right now because there's yeah. what free forks of it. Yeah, there was already one fork of Budgie where people was like, "Let's keep." Val-. I think I told you this before as well, actually, where they wanted to keep Valor and GTK in Budgie. Yeah, it's like you realize those those alone are the two fundamental flaws with Budgie, right? 
those are the two biggest problems in there. And you want to keep them? Okay. I think, I think, I think Ike, what we see is that the trend that is everywhere in media now. It's and resistance it, to change, isn't it? It, it? Well, it's resistance to change, but it's also, there's a lot of false narrative to, uh, to just generate uh, a news cycle about something yeah. that's been set up, not by the people involved, but set up by the person who's writing the article yeah. to, to generate link bait and, and, and other things to, to generate more views to that particular article. And we see it roll over into the Linux community and, you know, you'll read halfway through and then it'll start to come to you that, oh, okay, this isn't actually happening. This is the person who's writing the article spelling something out as if it's a what if. Right, right, right. There's so many people walking around. They don't realize they've been led by the nose. Correct. Correct. it's, It's kind of sad. And we've got a thing on the show here. We call it the soapbox. And so if you, you know, you're welcome to step up on that that soapbox like anytime, <laughs> because it's, it needs to be said. What's mm-hmm. that for venting? It, That's exactly yeah, it's, right. It's for venting when you need to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind, of, I, what oh, Jesus? What's the best way of putting this? Being as public and active as I've been in Linux now for. Jesus. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> but I mean, I've been public in like the whole making distro scenes now for what, 10 years? Right. It feels, sometimes it feels like you're, you're fighting battles all the time. It's a constant up, up, uphill struggle. There's like a war that's never ending because people don't want it to end. And one of the things that's really really been sickening me lately is the absolutely unnecessary level of hostility you know and it was something that mark shuttleworth was going on about lately you know the toxicity and i made a google plus post about it as well because there are people being hostile because it they're supposed to be hostile and i think that it's it's like a war that people don't know why they're fighting it anymore yeah no we're we're not in the situation now where we're trying to get people to accept Linux. That battle is won. You know, Linux is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. There is not a place you can go in the world now where you won't find Linux. You know, or it might not be on all desktop machines, but every service that you connect to from your desktop machine, more than likely run on Linux. Your yeah. handset, your set-top box, your phone. We've won that war already, and there's people still fighting it with such hostility because we're going to drag Linux down. It can't be dragged down now, you know. Right. It's already there. So I think people need to stop fighting on that front and more consider what can we do together. Yeah. What I've been trying to strike out a balance for anyway, it's like one thing I I can't deal with is there's fanboyism, but then there's fanboyism, do you know? Right. Because fanboyism is just as deadly as blatant toxicity. And one thing I try and stamp out whenever I see a rising in the Solus community is unhealthy fanboyism. It's nice to support something, you know, to show your support of something that is different as opposed to being militant in your behavior about it. 
Right. And it's something I try and nip in the bud very, very early on. It's, it's why I'm a lot more careful now about what I say, because over time, the things that we say, you know, they, they break down and soften our own character over time. And, you know, we become more refined as we go along and as we find what we want in life. But nothing can ever be truly undone or lost. It's those bits that break off of us that stay with people. And it's those people that become infected with those things and they start to spread that fanboyism. So what you may have meant one time as something completely innocent or something completely passionate or meant with no malice will slowly turn to malice in the minds of others. And that's why we have to be so careful in what we say nowadays, because I might sit here now and knock unity, for example, or just, just picking an arbitrary project. And I might say something about it or a more obvious example of the things I've said about Vala. So I'm very clear to say to people now, it's like, just because it doesn't work for me, doesn't mean it's not for you. Right. But people will come back months later. It's like, well, Ike said, but they're being so <laughs> malicious about it as well. You know, like it's kind of like when we say these things, we're leaving the broken bits of us behind, and others have taken them up. And that's why I try to be so careful about what I'm saying nowadays. Yeah. But what I try and strike a balance for is, it's it's fine to support things, but you have to support them honestly, and be true to your passion about them as well because you can look at something but you can never be blind to it. You can never be blind to love or rage. And I think we have too much of this polar opposite going on. Yeah. Look at when look at any of the projects. So you can't just look at it and say, well it has no problems at all. You know, there is a healthy analysis that you can give to things. Because you know yourselves like if we're working on something like even if you're doing a bit of DIY, right? If you're yeah. making a baby cot or something. Right. I was just going to say to you, it's like, and you've got a big splinter sticking out the side. You say, oh, that'd be great for the child to say, look, <laughs> it's nice work, but there's areas for improvement. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, exactly. You're not just going to say to them, it's like, are you in stupid? And <laughs> no, so I think there needs to be healthy balance. Nobody needs a yes man, but nobody needs somebody making their life in misery either. And that's sort of balance I now try to go for. You know, I'm not perfect. And yeah, that's and healthy. That is healthy. Yeah. But. No, trying to strike the healthy balance. You know, don't be wrong. If the person is a moron and then my patient swears out, then yeah, whatever. you can only do with to make up another day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, grudges are never forever. That's right. You know, I might not like one thing today, but as long as you're happy to reevaluate yourself and your decisions and where you stand, I mean, look, Budgie's going to be switching to cute. I wasn't exactly known for my support of Qt or C++. And I still don't like C++. I still think lots of parts of it is stupid. But, you know, from a technological standpoint, what will support me in the community better? Boom. So, Flatpak, another example. Right. I'm stupidly against it. At some levels, I still find issues with it. But is it easier for me to go off and invent my own system or join Flatpak community and help them grow? you know, and then help the software selection side of it grow. So that's the sort of things I'm trying to do now, as opposed to two years ago when it was 50 cups off to the world. Right. <laughs> Times change. Well, people, <laughs> people don't well, understand that it's about, you know, it's not just about like we and Rob were talking. It's not about the videos or about Linux. Or, it's about yeah. how you live your life. Yeah. 
and that's what you that's what you leave behind. That's what's important. It's the impression not, you leave on the world. Yeah. Well, it's not about uh, the, a Linux distribution. That is a, that is nothing. You that's the least I mean? important detail of it. Yep. I mean, you've well, got two so, ways of looking at it. Would you want to leave a black hole behind you or a star? Well I said. Leave a star. <laughs> well said for sure. And and I try to remind Rocco of that every time he sings the praises of React OS right. at a fanboy level. That's just hard to handle, Rocco. I know. I, I will work on that, Rob. Because <laughs> to be uh, fair, I've got to it say, it is that. exciting. <laughs> React OS does boot really quick, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say, like, I have tried it out, and I was like, "This is kind of cool," <laughs> but I'm not supposed to think these things. You know, oh. it's like one of those ones. Like, do I do I need to speak to a priest about this? <laughs> you know, is it right to have these thoughts? <laughs> you know? uh, well, well, Ike, we appreciate all the time once again, and oh, uh, listen, we've always got a soapbox for you here anytime, man. So. um but definitely look forward to giving. I think now I'm going to definitely uh, down start downloading the ISO for the uh, Budgie version. Mm-hmm. Is that your favorite still? I mean, you still is your heart still there within Budgie? I yeah. would guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Budgie is it's in some ways an extension of me. And you know, there are other days like I I just look at my desktop and it's like so I'll have the the software center open and I'll be running on Budgie desktop and it's like I wrote this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then you look at parts of Budgie, it's like, that bit wasn't from me. Oh, the drag and drop icons. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I like that part there. You know, like, it's like a blend in the characters. Yep. And over time, it's it's like the whole thing is starting to age into a good whiskey. And I'm, I really like it. And hell, I'm privileged. I'm absolutely privileged because what started out as me wanting to do things not not different for the sake of doing things different uh, i've always tried to achieve that level of technical excellence and as time goes by our that bar slowly rises you know and you know a few years in the industry and you start to change your mind with a few things how things should be done and it's i don't know it's so strange to be running a distro that i originally created but now has got over people involved in it bits of a desktop I didn't create and additions and features and I'm getting updates from other people for a system I started it's I'm lucky I'm truly lucky that's to have awesome. that around me to have that support network and the thousands of people using it and people contributing to it with a shared vision a shared passion it's kind of magical oh so. absolutely cool absolutely cool well again Ike we appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you on again and um, so uh, where's the best place for people to reach you? Uh, I know you listed that last time, but uh, if someone wanted to say hello. Yeah, I mean, probably Google+. Plus. Um, I am on Mastodon now, though. Oh, yeah, that's the new That's the new that's thing. The new for at least over 11 minutes. You know, I am yeah. on there. <laughs> uh, Twitter, I'm only really active as a Solus Project Twitter. Uh, but Google+, Plus, you know, sort of a rock there now. You know, he'll okay. always find me there. <laughs> so. Very good. Very good. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks again, and we will check you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.